spare me over till another year. Here we go again, Diane. Death-defying discussions. We should have some really dramatic music. Dun, dun, yes, dun. we should. Um, and uh, if you're just joining us uh, for the first time, um, Diane DeVivo and I, Michael Williams, we're, we're here really to kind of break that taboo about talking about death and dying and grief, you know, subjects that, that often people find, you know, really uncomfortable um you know about talking about and and yet it's really so necessary um and both diane and i are end-of-life planning facilitators uh, and that doesn't mean that we help people end their lives we help people plan for the latter part of their lives and that includes things like wills and powers of attorney and advanced care planning and funeral plans and death cleaning as well that's all part of it so that's the subject of, uh, of today's talk. Diane, what is death cleaning? Well, I'm, I'm glad you asked, Michael. Um, <laughs> uh, we just, uh, we did a workshop last week on death yeah. cleaning. So I think um, going, it, and it became, and it was a very popular topic in advertising it um, and also in, in doing it. So um, a lot of people are familiar with the terms decluttering and downsizing. I think we all know what those are. And death cleaning incorporates basically a little bit of both, but there's a bit of a difference. Um, so I would define, and I do define death cleaning as um, deciding before you die what you want done with all your stuff after you die. So it's mm. being proactive in what you're going to want done with it. Um, but there are, there are, so it sounds a lot like decluttering, except that there are some things that are a little bit different that make death cleaning a little bit different. One is okay, that yeah, yeah. I was just no, going to say one is that with death cleaning, um, you're not the one who's going to be taking the final action, so you don't have that that control like you do in decluttering or downsizing. Where in decluttering, you kind of get rid of the stuff you don't want anymore, um, and you're 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 basically not going to be in control of that. Mm -hmm. So, one of the most important things is the other thing that's different about, or the second thing that's different about death cleaning is that you want to record your decisions in some way. So with decluttering, you basically just get rid of things or downsizing. You just get rid of things. It doesn't matter. Maybe you keep a record for tax purposes if you donate things. But for the most part, you don't go out and tell people what you're, what you're getting rid of. That's what we want you to do in death cleaning, is if you have items that are precious to you, is to talk to the people, talk to you, whoever it is that you want to give those items to, and then record it in some way. Um, so you want to have a conversation. So again, this is promoting a conversation about death um, because you are talking to them about the fact that this is an item that they would get perhaps after you die. Um, yeah. But you also want to put it in writing because uh, you don't want there to be any question after you die of who is going to get the item or the items that you're that you're doing. And you want to make sure that that the um, uh, whatever it is you put in writing is, is um, given to someone who can be entrusted with the list. Yeah. Um, now that must be the, I suppose, emotionally the hard part, because when you start looking at your belongings, things you may have, you know, had for a good part of your life. And, and of course, things often have stories attached to them and yeah. uh, memories of people who, who gave you things, gifts, you know, for example, and uh, that kind of thing. So I, I suppose it's, you know, to, to begin death cleaning is to begin confronting your mortality. And I suppose that can be 
difficult for some people, and maybe that's partly what keeps them from kind of getting things sorted out. And you're right. There, that is the third thing that's different about death cleaning from decluttering and downsizing is the fact that you're facing your mortality. Yeah. You are going to have to just internally um, understand that what you're doing, you're doing because at some point you're going to die. Um, yeah. So, And then you have to have a conversation with someone. So it's emotional for you. Um, it's emotional for whoever you're having the conversations with as well. Um, yeah. Just broaching the subject of when, you know, when I die, I would like you to have, or when I die, what of these things do you want? You're facing your mortality, and that's, as you say, where the emotion comes in. Yes, and and also um, other members of the family, um, they might try to shut that conversation down. You know, um, know, children, you know, your grown-up children, for example. Um, they may not want to have that conversation because they don't want to be th- thinking about their parents, you know, mm-hmm. dying. Um, and I know many people. I, I, I've had I've had the same experience. You know, it's like, oh, yeah. dad, no, let's 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 we'll think about that another time. Don't worry about it. You know, um, and yeah. it's like, well, you know what? I am worried because I look at this stuff and it it kind of gives me a sense of dread. You know, it's like, mm-hmm. what is going to happen to all my shelves of books or journals? I got sketchbooks, yeah. photo albums, music books, you know, all kinds of, of things. And some of it quite personal, yeah. some of it less so. But um, and then there's the things I've got stored under the bed and in the closet, and, <laughs> you know, and I, I did yeah. downsize when I when I was di- divorced. I I had to move from a big house, you know, to uh, to a small uh, a flatter apartment. So I did have to downsize. Um, I, but even so, I still feel like I have a lot of stuff. And yeah, and I think yeah. we all do because we, we tend to expand uh, with the space that we have, you know, right. which is why downsizing is, is important. And that's why if downsizing is difficult for some people, particularly older people, yeah. you know, you're, yeah. you're selling that, that three or four bedroom house that, um, you know, you raised your kids in, if you will, and now you're moving to a smaller place, a one-bedroom, two-bedroom apartment or, or assisted living or something, and you can't bring everything with you. No. Um, and so, you have to make some decisions. So, Diane, tips. How, how would you, what tips would you give to somebody, um, you know, who, who wants to start but is finding it difficult to begin? Well, I think the first thing that I would say is to, uh, uh, well, and let me back up a little bit. In decluttering, one of the things that sort of the experts say is that you should start with the easy stuff. So if you're not death cleaning, but if you're de- just decluttering, you want to get rid of stuff, or let's say you are downsizing, um, you want to start with the easy stuff. You don't want to start with your photographs. You don't want to start with your journals um, and other things that what, maybe, why, is, why Why is that? Why wouldn't you start with those? Because those are so personal to you, and you will you will literally get lost in the memories and lost right, in the remembrances. Right. And so you end up, um, those are the difficult decisions to make. So if yeah. you start with the easy stuff, then you, you've got some wins under your belt, if you will. Yeah. So if, if, let's say, I mean, if we can use books, I mean, you and I are both, you know, we both have book collections. Lots but of let's books, say yeah. Lots of books. So let's say that you can start with books and, and you start with the books that you've read that you're not going to read again, the books that somebody may have given you that you're not going to read or that you've already read or the books that you pick up at a, at a yard sale or a book sale saying you intend to read, but now you realize you're never going to read. You can, you can get rid of those fairly easily. There's not a lot of emotion attached to that. But 
when it starts, so those are, that's, that's a win. Um, there are people who maybe you go through your garage and there are things in the garage or the basement that you, you haven't looked at um, in, in years and you can say, okay, you know, that's an easy win. Mm-hmm. The difference with mm-hmm. death cleaning that I think is, yeah, and I agree with that, starting with the easy stuff. But in death cleaning, one of the things that you may want to start with is the things that are most precious to you. If mm-hmm. there is a book that's important to you or a collection of books, if there's a, an item or a tea set or china or something that you have that is very important to you, start right. there and start talking. You know, maybe you want your daughter to have it or your granddaughter or your son, son-in-law, something, and talk to them about it. And then that's done. Right. Yeah. When you talk to them about it, um, you have to, there's the other thing you have to decide is whether or not you're going to gift it now or after yeah. you die and yeah, anything right. you can gift now, one, two things occur. One, it's out of your possession, so you don't have to take care of it anymore. But the other thing is you are also witnessing the joy that someone has in, in having it and, yes. and caring for it. Yes, and that's that's one one part of of um, uh, uh, you know your treasures um, yeah. is the joy of passing them on uh, to people that will appreciate them. But Diane, what happens when um, you plan to pass something that's valuable to you and you want to pass it on to your children, and they say, you know what, I don't want it. You know, yeah. uh, it's it's not a treasure to us. It's junk. And we don't have any room for it. We don't have any interest in it. Um, now, I'll give you know, an example. I, I worked with a, with a woman who, um, this is exactly what happened to her. She had some old family memorabilia that went back to the, the, uh, the Civil War back in the middle of the 19th century. And it had been passed down through, you know, her family, grandfather, mm-hmm. grandfather, grandmother, you know, all the way down in, to her. And she was really excited about passing it on to her sons only to discover that neither of her sons wanted this stuff. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, so, I mean, what would you say to, you know, that's that's well, difficult, isn't it? When, it's very difficult because that adds another layer of emotion to it. It is. And I know this this, this, uh, this client of mine, you know, she was very emotional. But we did, we did solve the problem. Um, so what I suggested was that she might um, look about for a local museum or a historical society that would appreciate it. And fortunately, that's what happened. And she ended up very happy knowing that it was going to go to a local museum who would take care of it and make sure that the public um, were able to access it and learn from it as well. And so that, I mean, that, that story had a happy ending. Um, it, it wasn't what she intended originally, but it uh, all turned out okay. So sometimes yeah, we have to think outside the box. Yeah, That's right. You're exactly right. You, th- you have to think creatively. You have to think outside the box when that kind of thing happens. But I would also say that you can also engage, engage your family or your friends mm. um, with ideas to see if any of them can help. Expand your network a bit, I would say. Um, they may know someone who may take it. They, In your case, maybe... Um, uh, if, if it hadn't worked out the way it had, there might have been a friend of a friend who was a big Civil War buff, and maybe they were involved yeah. in Civil War reenactments. And so you know it's going to a place where it's going to be well used and and cared for. Yeah. Um, so what I say basically is it may not end up where you had wanted it to end up, but maybe it ends up where it's supposed to end up. 
you know, yeah. that's kind of, you know, the thinking. I mean, I think the bottom line is you just, you have to have the conversation, you know, you have yeah. to start talking and think creatively. Um, so you're, yeah, so you're also pointing um, about, you know, soliciting help. And I think that would be very important is, you know, so in that case of, of the woman I helped, I wasn't part of the family. I wasn't emotionally involved. So I was able to kind of think a little more clearly about uh, an option, you know, for her um, without uh, getting, you know, emotionally involved in the dynamic between her and her sons. Um, so that seems to me it might be another useful tip is to... Um, ask a, f a friend, uh, someone who you know who is calm and uh, and rational and patient, um, mm -hmm. to to help you out because I you know frankly if I had to, if I was doing this all alone it it can get overwhelming. It is. I mean, because we we generally we have too much stuff, you know, yeah. and we become attached to it. So having someone who is not attached, and I think that's where people like us in the professions that we're in, Michael, can help. Um, yeah. To have someone um, who can help you who's not emotionally involved with right. the, the item can or with the things that you want to that you want to gift um, yeah. makes it really important. I will say one other thing is that if you're in a situation where you're you know, there's no imminent reason to move. There's no um, rush to get rid of all of your stuff, you're not downsizing. You're basically just kind of doing kind of what, what, what I'm doing now, which is going through my things and, and just uh, looking at what I have, getting rid of what I can. So I'm doing a little bit of decluttering and that sort of thing. Is that if you don't need to make a decision right away then on a particular item, then maybe don't. Um, yeah. Hang on to it. Yeah. Allow yourself time to think about it. Yeah. Um, because yeah. And it, that also allows you the time to get used to the idea that what you originally wanted it may not happen. Wanted for it yeah. may not happen. Um, so, you know, take, and then if you have the luxury of a little bit of time, then, mm -hmm. then I would say on something that's a real dilemma, take a little bit of time. Right. Um, so if I give you a scenario, if you imagine um, uh, an older person perhaps living on their own, uh, maybe their partner has died, um, or it, it might be a daughter, maybe a son who's faced with, with helping, you know, uh, an elderly parent. Um, beginning to kind of, um, you know, clean the house or declutter or whatever. Mm -hmm. They're looking at a big job and the parents have been in the house for a long time. Um, so you're, you're standing, you know, say, I don't know, you're standing in, in, the, in, in one of the rooms in the house. How, how should someone begin? Because that's often, you know, I hear people say, oh, my goodness, where do I begin? Well, it's different when it's not your stuff. Um, mm -hmm. If you're helping a parent, let's say, or a grandparent or an aunt or an uncle who is moving into a smaller place because they can't take care of the bigger place, there's there's a whole other dynamic going on. And that is that that person is having to face their mortality. That person is having to face giving up some of what they've held dearly and um, and it's and I think it's a little bit more difficult for older folks. And keeping in mind that um, that all of this, particularly for um, and I'm just going to call them older folks, it's all part of a grieving process. There are more many, many more years behind them than ahead of them. Mm -hmm. So they you need they need to feel like they're in control of their environment. Um, and a lot of the things they have may have been involved in their identity, who they were. So my, you know, my best advice is you start slowly and maybe you ask for stories. 
Mm-hmm. You know, you, you look at something, if you have the luxury of time, and that's the problem is that we don't start this stuff early enough. So we don't ha- often have the luxury of time. But if you do, and, and if you can start early enough, is ask stories, all of these things. Um, and people love to tell stories about their stuff. Yes, yes, um, yes. Find out. I mean, that the, the benefit for your um, parent or grandparent or whoever is it is you're helping is um, that they're going to start getting used to the fact that they're going to have to divest themselves of some of these things. Yeah. Um, but, you know, record those stories. Yeah. Write them down, videotape them, um, record them in some way, because now you've got stories of your family. You've got this stories. All that you part can of your legacy. On. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's all part of your legacy. And, and you know, you and I talk about legacy a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and you, you've, we've done, you've done some workshops on legacy. Yeah. Um, but on a, in a, so keeping that in mind is start slowly. Um, yeah. One of the things that there, uh, if just a couple of like very practical tips is start with the things that are no longer used. Start mm-hmm. with the things that, um, that that they're not using anymore. So their their social structure has changed or their social commitments, I think is a better word, have changed. They're no longer giving dinner parties. Do they really need two sets of china? Um, maybe you can convince them to, you know, just get rid of some of that. Um, start with things that are broken or damaged. You know, a lot of us say, oh, I'm going to get that repaired. And then you put it in a corner and it never gets repaired. So start with those things you start a little more slowly with the things that, um, that they won't be as emotionally involved in getting rid of. Right. Um, things that they can't use anymore, um, things that may be a tripping hazard, um, right. that sort of thing. So there are different kind of, uh, you could sort of sort things almost like in different piles or boxes. Yeah. You could have your giveaways, yeah. uh, your recycling, um, yeah. the treasures that you want to keep for the time being or the mm-hmm. treasures that are going to very particular people. Um, yeah, I, 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 yeah, I think you can have different kinds of uh categories or even labels you could even put sticky post-it notes different colors you know for things to help organize yeah 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 the only thing i would say with that is that to be very careful that you're also making sure that the whoever it is you're helping is fully engaged in it yes um and i and i you've uh, you've heard this story but i i I read a story of a woman who was perfect she was downsizing her uh, husband had died a few years before her kids were helping her she was moving to a smaller place and her kids were helping her sort of death clean, if you will. And they came in and they just started boxing things up and they did what you were saying. They had a, a system of boxes for recycling, boxes for donation, et cetera. And they left for the day and then they came back the next morning and some of the boxes were open and some of the items had been taken out. And when they asked their mother, why, why did you do this? Her response was, I just wanted to hold it one more time or I just oh. wanted to see it one more time. Yeah. They moved too quickly for her and didn't really give her the opportunity to kind of release some of the IAs. So that's why what I say is, is um, move a little slowly. Hopefully you you have that option. Move some, move slowly and take into, make sure that the person you're helping is fully engaged in the process. Well, you, you talked about legacy there as well and being involved in the, in the process. Um, you know, I have a little story. I, I inherited um, an old Victorian tea set from my grandmother. Um, in fact, she was given it uh, when she married back in the, the 20s. 
Um, and I think it was uh, given to her as a gift from her grandmother. So it goes right back to the Victorian era. Lovely, lovely old um, china set from from England. And um, but you know me, what am I going to do with a with a great you know big formal set <laughs> tea set? Mm-hmm. So what I what I and I was concerned about it. You know what was going to happen to it? And I kept you know I had to carry it around every time I moved, and I would have to be very careful with it. But in the end, what I decided to do was um, when my oldest son married, I decided to give the, the tea set as a wedding gift um, to my, my new daughter-in-law. Um, she had a china cabinet with nothing in it, so I thought, oh, it's perfect. But I kept one cup back, a cup and saucer, mm-hmm. to remind me of my grandmother. So, in, you know, and you know, it, that was enough. It turned out that I didn't need the whole set to remind me of my grandmother. I just needed one cup. And, you know, and I, I promised my, my daughter-in-law that, you know, when I passed away, then that cup and saucer would rejoin the others, mm-hmm. you know, in her china cabinet. And she was, you know, she was absolutely happy about that. So yeah. it connected me to, to my daughter-in-law. Um, it's a kind of a new story that we, we've kind of and created it, together. And yes. I have the story. I, I take I take the teacup out every once in a while. And uh, when I'm having a cup of tea and I fill it up and I pretend that's my, my grandmother because that was something she and I loved to do was, you know, she loved her yeah. tea. And uh, and she taught me, you know, the, um, uh, the it was a very civilized to have a cup of tea yeah. with somebody, you know. So yeah. you what you've done, that's such a wonderful story. And I, and I actually we've we've talked about that story before and I and I love it because mm-hmm. it not only connects you to your daughter in law, but it connects you to your grandmother. So you've got a multi-generational connection here. And it's something that, as you say, the one teacup and saucer was enough for you right now. Um, So you don't have this set sitting in storage somewhere. You've given it to someone. They can enjoy it. You can you you share their joy and having it, um, Mm -hmm. which is not something that would happen if it didn't go to them until after you had died. So uh, that's just such a a, a perfect um, solution to mm. to um some of the things some of the ways some of the things that you can do and it's a wonderfully creative way to mm-hmm. keep you connected and well to, that's and offer that legacy yeah and that's just the kind of thing uh, that, that you do diane we're just to wind up um practically so um you you um i know you do an, a, a number of things in terms of end of life planning but um do you would you coach somebody? Would that be part of the work that you would do if somebody wanted help putting um, a, a death cleaning plan together? Is that something that you would help people with? Yes, yes, okay. I, I, indeed. Um, because again, as we've talked about, having a having someone who's objective, having yeah. someone, and that's a lot of what what coaching in general is is having a third party kind of looking in um, who can offer advice and guidance uh, without yeah. the emotion attached to it. Yeah. So I'll I'll just be really clear that Diane won't come and clean your house for no. you, but she can no. help you help you um, put a, a death cleaning plan together um, as part of your end of life plan. So you know Diane also um, helps people um, and educates people about wills, powers of attorney, advanced care planning, and so on. Um, Diane, how how could people reach you? Well, I have oh, I have a website. Um, mm-hmm. the, it's we're still constructing part of it, but it is so. This sort of thing is not yet on it, but there is some coaching stuff on it. So it's at um, www.dianedevivo.com, okay. and there's a contact form, so you can contact me um, by just filling out the form, and then we can have a discussion 
um, either by email or by phone about what your what you want. Great. Well, that that's that's lovely. And and um, yeah. So Diane, I just want to really you know thank you for for sharing um, your your thoughts and your knowledge about about death cleaning. And um, I would say you know if. If you're listening and you're someone who's in this situation where um, you are confronted by having to undertake that task yourself, I, I would say just as Diane did, start small. You know, if you're if you're in your bedroom, for example, maybe just start by looking over at one wall. You know, so I'm looking when I look across the room, I see a bookshelf and I see a dresser, and maybe that's where I could I could start this weekend as I could just go through the drawers one at a time one two three there's five drawers and i could go through them and just sort out what i'm keeping what really i don't use anymore um mm-hmm. and or what i could pass on to you know to someone else yeah um, and i think and this, i think yeah. with with that michael it is a lot of times we have things and we just kind of look past them so yeah, you really want yeah. to focus your attention on everything that's in the room or the area that you want to to um yeah. uh, declutter or death clean um, yeah. Because a lot of times we're used to seeing things in their place and our eyes just slide right past it. So exactly. that's, a, that's a really good way to do it is take one section, uh, one room, one section, one closet, one drawer, something, and, and just yeah. really look at what you have. And it might be time, you know, to go through the closet and say, "Hey, do, do mm-hmm. I do I still wear this? Um, right. You know, it's it's been in the closet. I don't think I've worn it in you know in months or a year. Um, well, maybe maybe it needs to go to uh, you know to a secondhand place or a charity right. uh, where it can be used, you know, by someone. Same with books. You know, you've read books and yet they sit on the shelf for years, just sitting mm-hmm. there when you know you think well somebody else could be reading them you know um and and might bring someone else the joy the the same joy that it brought you when you first uh, read the book and and think Um, about the fact that that that's fewer things you have to clean yes fewer things you have to worry about maintaining or repairing Yeah. yeah so it eases up your life as well great diane thanks so much um this is michael williams and Diane DeVivo. Diane DeVivo for Death Defying Discussions. Um, We'll be back uh, in episode three uh, with another topic related to death, dying, grief, and uh, end-of-life planning. Um, Thanks for listening, everybody. We're really appreciative that you've taken a bit of your time to to, uh, listen to us today. And you can, uh, again... Please uh, subscribe to our podcast, uh, share it with your friends and, and family, let them know about it. And Diane, I think we've got also um, a live death-defying discussion forum coming up. We do, uh, May 23rd. Yep, right? Sunday. Um, mm-hmm. two, uh, Sunday uh, uh, 2 p.m. Uh, Eastern Daylight Time, uh, mm-hmm. and it's an open forum discussion. Uh, you can uh, sign up through Eventbrite. It's free. Yep. And we, we have no agenda for it. Um, we just want people to come and talk about the things that are important to them regarding death, dying, grief, and end-of-life planning. Great. Thank you all Th- for listening. Thank you. Oh, death, can't you spare me over till another year? Oh, death, oh, death, please spare me over till another year.